0: Hey, this is Matt McClure here, one of the lead pastors here at Takeover Church. Thank you so much for checking out this message today. We hope it encourages you. We hope it blesses you. And just a reminder, we have got services every single Sunday at 5 p.m. And we would love to have the chance to meet you, to hear your story, and to welcome you home. Thanks again for listening today. Hope this message blesses you. How's everybody doing tonight? Sorry about that audio adjustment. Um... In just a moment, you just heard in church news that we are in a series right now called Voices. First of all, how great were weeks one and two from Dave and Rusty Vining? Absolutely unreal, incredible. And tonight, judging by the height of this preaching stand, it actually says preaching stand in my also unreadable handwriting. Uh, Judging by the height of this preaching stand, we have a very tall gentleman preaching for the first time tonight. And before we bring out Scott Fletcher, make some noise. But this is Scott's first time preaching, and it is an absolute... Scott, I'm going to look at you. I know this is totally breaking all conduct of, of public speaking, but to have this be your first time preaching, and to have it be here at Takeover Church where adria and i and i know for me specifically i am just privileged and honored to call you my brother and my friend man this is huge it's an honor to have you preach here and i believe that tonight you can make your way over here this is awkward now but i believe that tonight this is going to be the beginning of something huge for your life and what god has called you to and you're soon to be here bride shanny who's coming from australia and man yeah oh praise god too this dude's got all nervous about preaching stuff. He didn't even put in a praise report. She's got her interview so she can get here soon. Praise God for that. But man, this is just the beginning. So, uh, to get the beginning started, I'm going to get out your way. Would you guys make some noise for Scott Fletcher one time?
1: What's up? Thanks, guys. Um, first of all, Matt just saying that it's an honor for him. I it's an honor for me to to even stand up here. Um I love you guys. I love this church. Uh you guys are my family and uh it's it's a privilege for me to be up here speaking. High fives over there. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh before we get started, I'm just going to pray. Uh Lord, we uh we thank you for this opportunity that we have every week to gather in your name. Um where two or more are gathered in your name your presence is there. We pray that you you would be here that your presence would be thick in this place um, and that you would just you just bless this word and allow us all to receive Lord. We thank you and we pray this in your name and all God's people said amen. All right. So this past holiday season, uh, my family took a trip down to North Carolina. Uh, my brother Kyle and his wife Stephanie live in a, in a really gorgeous coastal town down there. And uh, we decided that it would be a really good idea if us three grown adult sons, along with our parents, uh, with a couple girlfriends, and my six-year-old daughter all piled into a van and made the fifteen plus hour drive down to New Bern, North Carolina. Now, I don't know if you've ever had like a, a bad idea, but you don't you don't realize it's a bad idea until you're halfway through and then you're once you're in you're kinda stuck so you can't get out that's exactly how I felt about ten hours into this trip and I'm realizing that i'm 27 years old and my body should not be crammed into a small space like that but that's that's, that's beside the point of the story I just it, it was it was an awful drive down okay the trip up was a lot better but uh, anyways we, we finally make it down to New Bern get to our destination and we have a great time. Kyle and Steph show us around the place. Uh, they show us their church where they work, and and we just we had a really good time. Except the the weather wasn't really all that had been advertised. You know, I think like going down to North Carolina in the winter time, and it's gonna be it's gonna be really nice. Well, the first five days that we were there, it was it was really rainy and really overcast. You know, not great weather. Um, but towards the end, we. We finally we were blessed with a couple nice days where it was like 65, 70 degrees uh, compared to Michigan. It was really nice, but so we see this on the forecast, and I need, I need to preface something real quick. My one of my brothers, Nick, is. If I was to to say that he was a golf enthusiast, that would be the the understatement of my lifetime, okay? He is a golf freak. Like, this dude lives for golf, okay? He eats, sleeps, breathes the game of golf. He's always watching on his phone. Just nuts for it, okay? So, naturally, we see the forecast that the weather is going to be improving and getting pretty nice. So, Nick decides, like, hey, we should all go golfing. Like, all the guys, we should get up and go golfing. And, and I, I like to golf, I enjoy golfing. Uh, the only problem is that I'm just, I'm not good at it. Like, I, I kinda suck. So, but I still like to go. It's fun to, to be out there with everybody. But then Nick says that he's setting a tee time for eight in the morning the next day. And I was like, yeah, I'm I'm on vacation, fam. Like I, like no, I'm not getting up to be at the golf course at eight in the morning. Like I, I need some beauty sleep. I'm getting, I'm getting as much rest as I can on vacation. Okay. I was like, sorry. Like I'm out. I'm gonna sleep in. You guys go have fun. I'm sleeping. So the next morning, they they all get up, they take off, they go out golfing, and I have a fantastic time sleeping in until about 10 a.m. I wake up feeling like really well rested, have some coffee, I'm reading a little bit, like just I'm just chilling. Awesome vacation morning. I'm I'm in that mode, okay? So I'm I'm really chilling, having a good time. A little while later, they come back, they finished up their game. And Nick and my other brother Drew and my dad, they, they come in the door and you know we have a little quick conversation. Um, you know how guys do, I just want the details. How'd you guys play? Who won? All right, now get out of here, go do your own thing. So they all go do their own thing. And then Kyle comes in the door and I'm sitting on the couch and he looks at me and he, he's, he's standing here like this and he just goes, don't look at me. Go talk to Nick. And in his hand here, he's holding what appear to be my nice Adidas shoes, my tennis shoes. Except the night before, when I had set them next to my bag by the door, they weren't covered in mud. Like, these shoes that he's holding are completely trashed, covered in mud, top to bottom, front to back. Like, they look destroyed. And apparently what had happened was... What had happened was <laughs> Nick, being super wise, that morning as they were getting ready decided that his tennis shoes weren't going to offer him enough traction as they were out golfing. So being the opportunist that he is, he saw my shoes by the door and thought, "These, these I'll get some good grip with these. Like These will be nice. Uh, but a little, little science lesson for you guys. When it rains for five days in a row... And then the sixth day is nice. Even though the sun's out, the the ground is still holding quite a bit of water, right? And when dirt and water mix, it makes mud. (laughs) And apparently, I mean, Nick either didn't think about it or doesn't understand this concept. And he decided that he would take those shoes without my permission and wear them to a golf course, which is grass and dirt. Okay? So... Anyways, he just, absolutely, they're absolutely destroyed, okay? And when I see the sh- my shoes, like, I don't know if we have any other sneaker heads in here, but I absolutely love my shoes. Like, I love them. And when I saw my shoes like that, like, I i flipped out. Like, I blew up. And it's like, don't be judging me. Like, I got problems. Pray for me. Like, I get it. All right? But I just freaked out. Like, I just, I exploded out. Just like, you, like wh- how are you such an idiot. Like, I just freaked out on him. Like, I was so mad. And I, we had, my brothers and I, like, we haven't physically fought in a long time. Like, we used to when we were little kids. This is, like, the closest I've been to wanting to physically fight one of my brothers in a long time, okay? So, I'm just, like, I'm, I'm angry. So, I'm, like, okay, I gotta, I gotta step back. I go over, and I just sit down. I'm, like, I am not talking to anybody. Like, I'm just, is silent, mad, stewing in my anger, okay, but as i 'm sitting there, angry, not talking to anybody, i'm kind of throwing a little temper tantrum, <laughs> all right, but Nick takes the shoes and he heads upstairs to the tub, and he proceeds to clean the shoes, okay, like he and i 'm not talking like just cleans them, like he scrubs them. And scrubs them. When he came back down with the shoes, they looked brand new. They looked like the day that I got them out of the box, and they looked perfect. Okay. And he takes the shoes and he he sets them down. He's like, "Here, I I washed your shoes. Like, I'm sorry, and I'm still sitting over here. Like, what? Like that doesn't fix anything. Whatever. Get out of my face. Like, I'm still I'm still upset. Okay. <laughs> and because see, there there was no longer a problem with the shoes. But there was still a problem with my heart right. because he had offended me. Yeah. Like how could he? How could he disrespect me that way? Yeah. You know, so so that that was that I was feeling feeling disrespected, and that that kind of that kind of hung around. Like so, I I stayed pretty bitter for like honestly a couple days. Like I can admit that I was for a couple days I was <laughs> even subconsciously like I was not happy with him. Like, yeah. and it, it was just it was there. Like I was constantly feeling this way until like i said a couple days later and i i kind of realized like why why am i still feeling this way like he he didn't intentionally try to hurt me like i'm fine it's not not that big of a deal maybe i maybe i'm not as good at this forgiveness thing as i thought i was you know because if i can hang on to that for a couple days like something so small like that then how long have I been hanging on to th- those greater offenses towards me? Because yeah. if I'm being honest with myself, there's there's definitely some stuff inside that people have done to me that I probably haven't fully forgiven. Right. And, and I think that that's a lot of people deal with that. But you see, Jesus, Jesus forgives like nobody else ever will. Yeah. Jesus offers forgiveness for far greater offenses so much faster than we can even imagine. And a perfect example of that is in John chapter 8 there is there's a woman who is caught in the act of adultery. okay. And in that time if you were caught in the act of adultery the, the punishment was that you were to be stoned. So people would take giant rocks and throw them at her until she was crushed to death. Like that was the punishment. Like how crazy of a law is that? Can you imagine if that law still existed today? Like how nuts that would be? Yeah. Like I guarantee you Tinder would have a lot less swiping right going on. Oh like, oh like she's like, oh, she's she's pretty cute, but uh, you know I really don't feel like having my head crushed in by a giant rock, so I'm gonna go ahead and swipe left. Like no thank you. Like for real. Like that's. Like that's how crazy that that sounds today. Right. But yeah. back then, like that was the law. That was that was exactly what was going to happen to her. She's facing death, yeah. and these religious leaders, these these ultra spiritual people, they have her. They, they they caught her in this act, and. <clears throat> So they 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 don't care about her, right? They don't care about her situation at all. They're using her situation to try to trap Jesus because he's been he's been stirring stuff up. So they're trying to trap him in a situation where he can't make a right decision concerning her. So then they can accuse him later. Um, so they they have this woman and they bring her before Jesus. They they find him in the temple. And they bring, him, bring her before Jesus, and in John chapter 8, 4 through 11, it says this. And they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using the question as a trap in order to have a basis to accuse him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger, When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and asked and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. So then Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. You see, Jesus forgives us when we don't deserve forgiveness. Because if we're being honest, none of us deserve forgiveness from God. Like The Bible says that we have all sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God. But just like the woman who was caught in adultery... Jesus offers us that forgiveness daily. Definitely he offers me that forgiveness on a daily basis. Like, I, I need that forgiveness that often. Like, we all do. Okay? And he offers us that forgiveness because he loves us and he wants that relationship with us. Okay? And if if Jesus is willing to, to forgive me after I sin against him over and over and over again then who am I to withhold forgiveness from those around me that sin against me? Because if if we read in Matthew 18, uh, 21 and 22, Jesus and and his disciples are sitting there and and it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy times seven. Yes. See, right here, Peter, he, Peter thinks he's being generous by offering to forgive somebody seven times, right. which is more than the law at that time called for somebody to be forgiven. Right. So he thinks he's being generous based on what the law is saying, and just as Jesus does throughout his entire ministry on earth, he comes in and he takes the law and he flips it on its head. And he says, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven. Which, for those of you in here that are terrible at math like I am, that's 490. I had to use a calculator to figure that out, okay? Just being honest, all right? But, yeah, no judging, thank you. Um, But I don't want us to get caught up in the number game because. I don't think that Jesus is sitting there trying to say the 491st time is when you can withhold forgiveness from somebody. Right. I think that what Jesus is trying to get us to understand is that forgiveness is limitless. Yeah. Like we there, there should be no limit to the number of times that we are willing to forgive someone who sins against us because there's no limit to the number of times that Jesus is willing to forgive us for our sin. Yes.
0: Yeah, right.
1: And if we continue reading right there in Matthew 18, if we continue with 23 through 33, and also it's a long chunk, so stay with me. But Jesus continues with a parable, and he says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, in that time, the 10,000 bags of gold equaled out to about 20 Twenty years worth of a a day laborer's wages. Okay, so this guy, he—I don't know what he was doing—that he was borrowing money from this king, probably taking out some student loans with those crazy interest rates or something. But he owes this dude a ton of money, like a ton. All right. And then if we continue in twenty-five, it says since he was not able to pay. The master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. And when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? How often do we receive forgiveness from the Lord and then we turn around and treat somebody who has sinned against us the exact same way as the servant in that parable? Because we've been forgiven of a lot and we deserve death for those sins. That's what that's what the Bible says. But that's where the good news comes in because God sent Jesus to the cross to die and to to rise up again. So that we might receive that forgiveness and and still have that relationship with him. And in and in return we we withhold forgiveness from those people who sin against us? Like that doesn't make any sense. And a lot of times I was thinking about it like that withholding forgiveness from somebody never has the effect that we think it's going to have if I withhold forgiveness from someone all it does is it tears me up inside that's all it does it's, I'm, I'm the one that's suffering from that and it made me think of, a, of this quote that says holding a grudge is like drinking poison and hoping that someone else dies like how insane is that? Now we would never actually do that in real life to our, our physical bodies. Right? Like if like oh like Matt, like he he wronged me, like oh I can't believe that dude. I'm gonna get him back. I'm gonna drink this poison and I'm just he's just gonna keel over right there. Like I'm smart enough to know that, that that's only gonna affect me. Like that's gonna hurt me. I'm the one that's gonna die from that. Yes. Yet we do that to ourselves spiritually all the time by withholding forgiveness from those that have that have sinned against us, that have wronged us, that have hurt us. <clears throat> and it just it got me thinking like, why, why do we do that? Why do we go back and, and relive these painful situations over and over again when we know the God who is the ultimate healer? Because that's who our God is. Yeah. He is the ultimate healer. That's what He does. And He's given us the guidelines on how to, to rid ourselves of that pain. And, and it's, it's really simple. All, he asks that we give ourselves over to Him and we forgive those as He has forgiven us and we allow Him to come through with that healing. Yeah. It's, it's really, really simple in that regard. Um the worship crew you guys can you guys can kind of make your way back up. I know it's, this is a pretty short one today. Um, but uh, as Matt would say we're getting ready to land this bird pretty soon here so right. But it got me thinking like the the question that we ask ourselves shouldn't be did they deserve forgiveness from me? Because as I've already said none of us deserve forgiveness. But as followers of Jesus, that's that's exactly what we're called to do. We are called to forgive. Yeah. So the question that we should ask ourselves is this: when somebody wrongs us, what is the posture of our heart? And I and I would say the posture of our heart needs to be a, a fighting posture. Yeah. And I'm not talking about like physically fighting that person that wronged us, even though that's I mean, a lot of times that's what we want to do. Right. And I'm not talking about, like, fighting against that person that wronged us with with bitterness and a hardened heart. I don't want... I'm not talking about any of that. When I say a fighting posture, I think that when somebody wrongs us, we need to fight against our own human nature that loves to hold on to that stuff. And we need to fight to offer that forgiveness to them the way that Jesus has forgiven us and allow Him to to do His thing and to heal those relationships and to heal our hearts. And, and you know, maybe right now you're you're having a hard time with with something that that you've done. Like maybe right now you're not struggling with forgiving somebody else of something, but you're struggling with forgiving yourself for something. Because that's a real place. And... If you're sitting in here and, and you're having that feeling of like, like you're, you're too far gone that you your past is too much your sin is too great, I need you to know right now that God has so much more for you than to be stuck in pain and offense that God has so much more for you than to be continually going back and reliving that same painful situation that is preventing you from moving forward into the plans that he has for you In John 10.10, the Lord says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's that's a staple uh, piece of scripture that we use around here. Another translation says that they may have abundant life. See, we can never know that abundant life that God is calling us into if we are continually living in our past. Because... Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again so that we might be forgiven and we might be able to walk in that abundant life. That's what he wants for us. And in Luke 23, as Jesus hung on the cross dying, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Even as Jesus hung there, as they were killing him, as our sin was killing him on that cross, Jesus chose forgiveness. Because you see, you've already been forgiven, right? And Jesus is longing for you to step into that future that he has for you. So let's stop holding back because of our past sins, and let's move forward into the plans that God has for us. Sweet, thanks guys. Rusty, take it away. <laughs>